This, this, this is you. K U T. K U T. Austin. Stop. I used to get mad at my And welcome to Higher Ed, KUT's podcast focusing on issues of higher education, lifelong learning, and exercising the brain. I'm Jennifer Staten with KUT 90.5, Austin's NPR station, talking as always with Dr. Ed Berger, president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. Hello, Ed. Hello, Jennifer. It's so good to be back in the KUT studios. Well, welcome back. It is always great to have you here in our home. Sometimes I come up to Southwestern and <laughs> yes. we'll record episodes up there. And, and sometimes you are we here come today. down here. Right. And that's right. I wanted to talk about what sometimes happens when people will think of questions. You know, maybe they're at a lecture, maybe they are in a formal education setting, maybe they're at a bank doing a transaction. I mean, wherever the case may be, right. they think of a question, but they don't ask it. Right. So it's it's an internal yes. event. Right. But then they don't they don't they're not speak brave up. enough to. They're not to brave enough to, to ask a question for a host of reasons. I think one of the reasons that comes up a lot is people feel like it's a stupid question. They feel like I should know this. It's a dumb question. I don't want to ask it and look stupid. So right. I really want to talk about how we can get past that hmm. because I know that comes up in the classroom. I know it comes up. I'll give you an example that's so oh, embarrassing. Good. Yeah, go go ahead. So. Oh, gosh, 16 or 17 years ago, I had just moved back to Austin. I had lived away for about 16 years. Austin's my hometown, but I was coming back. And I was trying to sort of get out there and meet people and make friends. And I thought, I'm going to take a country western dance class. Oh, fun. Because I wanted to learn how, and I liked the music. But I didn't sign up for the class. And do you want to know what I kept saying to myself, why I wouldn't sign up for the class? No, why? Because I didn't know how to dance. Oh, yeah. Now, that makes no sense yeah. at all. I didn't want to go to the class that was teaching you how to dance because I didn't, didn't already know. know how to do it. And I didn't want to show that I wasn't <laughs> able to do it. It makes no sense, right? Right. But except, it's natural. It's natural. Except in my head, I thought, well, I can't go and show all these people that I don't know how to dance. And I thought that's really interesting because I am – and I actually, I did wind up signing up and I did take Good the class. You. And I had a ball. Good, of course. But I had to work through that part of me that said, well, you can't show what you don't know. That's not – a good idea. Well, you know, there's a certain amount of bravado here, uh, and whether it's intellectual or just emotional, to kind of get over. I love how you said I got over that hurdle and I and I did it. Um, and I'll I'll share with you that I think this is very natural given our society today, where we don't want to look foolish, we don't want to look stupid, or whatever that means, and so we tend to pull back and we become more reserved. And and as a student, I will say that this was a problem I had. I was very shy and so would not want to look foolish and so wouldn't want to say anything. And it was after I earned my PhD in mathematics where I realized uh, unless it's life-threatening, I'm not going to be afraid of anything anymore. I just, it, I've I've gone through the gauntlet of earning a PhD in mathematics. There's nothing that's more frightening than that. So I'm moving on. And it was a very empowering moment in my life where I realized that I don't care. And I think it's because I could, in, in in the worst case scenario, say, well, you know, I got a PhD in math, you know, and so, uh, yeah, that's a dumb question maybe, but but I'm not a dumb person per se. Now, I've never done that, but it has given me the confidence to ask whatever is on my mind. 
uh, whether it's profound or silly or dumb. And, and, and what happens in most cases, by the way, in terms of questions, is that if you ask a basic question, usually those basic questions are the deepest thing because they can lead to something really basic. And we've talked about simple things, understanding them yeah. deeply. In some sense, that's what's going on here. So if we were brave enough to actually ask that what seems like a foundational or fundamental question, we actually will go deeper, even though it might sound silly at first. You know what I think is also true about those basic questions? What's that? And I've discovered this, I guess, more in a group setting, although when it's happened in more of an individual setting, I have found when I share it later that other people agree that a lot of other people have the same oh, question, oh, but we're all in the same boat of nobody speaking up to ask it. Of so course, of course. I have only bought a house one time in my life. I'd never done it before, but when my fiance at the time, then now my husband and I were buying a house, he had done it before. I hadn't, I probably asked a thousand <laughs> questions yeah, exactly. over that several month period. And on the one hand, it was, it was kind of a confusing and frustrating experience, but I was also exhilarating because I learned a ton of course, about that process, but just question after question. And I realized talking to other people that there were questions that everybody has if you're going through the experience of buying a house. And you had the good fortune of having someone uh, in this case, a partner who you feel comfortable enough to actually ask those questions. But if we've got listeners who lead conversations or lead meetings and so forth, let me just say, because this is one of my favorite pet things. Yes. That when you get to the point where you want to solicit questions, the worst prompt is what everyone uses, which Would is, are there any questions? Never say that. Because that implies that there might not be any. And you want to always assume that you're surrounding yourself with curious, open-minded, thoughtful people who are practicing effective thinking. And so therefore, there are always questions. And so instead of saying, are there any, the correct prompt in my mind is, what are your questions? Or if you want to be really gentle, more gentle, then you can say, well, what are your questions that you'd like to share with the group? So you're going to assume as the leader that everyone has questions. And the question is, does anyone actually want to share theirs and say them out loud? Often I will have in my classes or even when I'm meeting with colleagues, have them break up into small teams and just create some questions and then have the teams share the questions. That will lead to a much more dynamic, interesting, engaged conversation with that group rather than just someone leading it. Uh, and so the idea of creating questions and then following through and asking them allows things to, to move. And as you're saying, um, most often the questions that someone will ask, at least half the room will have that same exact question. So you used a great word earlier in the conversation that I want to bring back up, and you said bravado. Mm -hmm. And that word caught my attention because I think sometimes people put a negative meaning on that word that to have bravado means you're kind of showy, you're showy, you're kind of braggy, you're right. sort of brash. Yeah, you're kind of brash in a bad way. But maybe right. we can change the change the concept of that word into something that's not a bad thing to have, but a good thing to have. Well, I think intellectual bravado is essential. Because intellectual bravado means that you're brave enough to explore the outer limits of your own thinking or other people's thinking, and you are not afraid to go beyond and to, to maybe be in a place that's a little bit more uncomfortable or a little bit awkward or that's new. And so if you're going to do anything that's original, anything that's innovative, anything that's new, it requires intellectual bravado. But even just to ask a question requires that same essence. And the more we embrace that practice, the better we will see everything. I also love another phrase that you used talking about your own experience and 
when you worked and attained your PhD in math and you said at some point along the way, I'm going to ask questions that might seem silly, but I don't care. Right. And I loved that attitude of I don't care because I think what stops us sometimes is we're afraid about the response we're going to get. That's part of that feeling that we have a silly question is, you know, questions aren't always greeted with, I'm so glad you asked that question. Let me give you an answer. And if you have more, when you have more questions, please follow up. We right. get, we get more something like, <sighs> well, and you know, we, well, you first know, of all, why are you asking that question? That's I don't not have time. true. By the way, well, that's no, not just, true no, in my I'm experience. Sometimes I'm just saying You're like out in with, the world. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, People I think, always say, oh, or, good question. Or think back maybe to school time when teachers didn't always have time to answer our questions. Well, or maybe true. we asked a question and, you know, a student, a classmate might have said, under their breath, you know, so-and-so doesn't know, God, they're so dumb. Like there have probably been times along the way where we did ask a question and we were not greeted with (laughs) enthusiasm for our intellectual (laughs) bravado. Can I, can I make just two quick points here? First of all, I think some of the times we get a negative reaction is because the person who's receiving the question doesn't have a good answer. And so instead of just saying, I don't know, and being really honest, which is what we should be, the person's like, oh, that's such a ridiculous question, or I'm not even going to lower myself to answer that. Yeah. Well, you don't even know the answer. Or sometimes people will say things like, um, well, that requires way too much and you're not there yet. Well, if you can't explain uh, any question to like a fourth grader, then you don't know the stuff that well either. And that's another clue. But from the point of view of the questioner, it, it leads to a richer inner life experience. And so I'll share with you that recently I was attending some of the Southwestern University math majors capstone presentations. This is where the senior math majors oh, cool. present their original work um, to, and there's families there. In fact, we had one family who was li- is living in um, in Sweden and they were watching via like Skype. It was so sweet actually, you know. And so the time zones, it was probably like two in the morning or something. But then families were there and then other students and faculty and so forth. And I make it my point, uh, even though I, you know, am not a full-time member of the math department, that when I can go to something like this, I'm going to ask every single person a question. Everyone. And even though I don't know anything about the work until I just hear them talk for 20 or 30 minutes. And it it puts you in a different position. When, when I know in, in my mind that I'm going to ask you a question as you're presenting, it forces me to listen to everything you're saying and say, what can I ask? And that's why I pick official questioners in my class, because I want them to be actively listening. And you will not actively listening if you're sitting back passively and saying, well, whatever. But I'm saying, okay, can I ask Jennifer this? Can I ask Jennifer that? And it, it brings the presentation more to life for me. And as a result, I get more out of it. So we get more out of life's experience when we actually know we're going to A, create a question and B, actually going to ask it. Okay, so I have a question. Yes, please. Where's our puzzler? Well, so this is a very good question. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm not supposed to say that. Oh, maybe I am. No, you are supposed am to say that. Yes. Actually, you know, I don't like when people editorialize. Like after the end of a talk, when someone goes, oh, that's a really good question. First of all, it means that all the previous questions were <laughs> junky, which I don't like. And it also, it, it basically means is, oh, you finally asked a question that I have an, right, an answer to, <laughs> right? So I try to avoid saying, oh, that's a really great question. So anyway, so that's a great question. I thought that for this week, Maybe in a moment of mindfulness, we can just take a moment of silence and just have people just reflect on questions they can ask, and that would basically replace the puzzler for this week. But I promise I'll bring the puzzler back okay. next week. Is that well, okay? that's great. So let's just take a moment. Let's just be silent for a second. Okay, I will tell wow, you. Wow, that was barely a second. And here's why, because in radio, silence is what we try to avoid. Yeah, but, but let's, well, let's, so let's try an experiment just right now. And let's just, just, I'll tell you what, just for 
10 seconds. Okay. Let's just, let's offer our listeners 10 seconds of silence. Okay. Okay, that was painful. Was it really? Totally painful. Uh, we have to work on mindfulness. With we have you. to we work have to on talk mindfulness. About med- meditation. But I will tell future. you what I thought of, though. I want to share with you, just as we close, I want to share with you one of the most, my most favorite questions that I've ever received. Please. In, and this is in a professional capacity. Please. So I, I'm very excited and happy when I get invited to speak to classes. Yeah, students, And they want to hear course. about the job and working in radio and journalism and all of that. And I spoke to some middle school students one time. They invited me. This was a few years ago. And their teacher had said to them, everybody needs to think up some questions to ask Jennifer when she visits. So (laughs) now there were no parameters to the questions. So I got a couple of what's your favorite color. Right. But a question that always stuck with me that I loved for a lot of reasons is a young woman raised her hand and said, when you're at work and you're hosting the show, when do you go to the bathroom? It's a good and question. It was, I mean, on the surface, it's a funny question, right? right? With funny. That. But it actually is a really thoughtful question because hosting a radio show is all about time. Right. And you have to follow the clock. Right. And everything happens at a certain time. That's right. And you can't just decide, well, I'm not going to be in the on-air studio at this time because I need to go use the bathroom. Morning edition will pause while right. I... Well, I, go, yeah. I just, I loved her question because it actually it showed some thought. Mm-hmm. An insight into the process, and she'd really thought about that, and that's and, and one of curiosity. my favorite all-time questions. Well, Dr. Ed Berger, thank you for always bringing wonderful stories to us. Dr. Ed Berger is president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. You can find out more at southwestern.edu, and you can keep your brain busy by keeping up with the news and other episodes of Higher Ed at KUT.org and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jennifer Staten, KUT News.